everybody, welcome to episode 53 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So this week we've got a bit of a shorter episode. We'll just be doing our usual roundup of vulnerabilities and fixes from the past week. Uh, there's a fair few to get through in particular. Uh, we had some high profile kernel issues that were resolved, uh, in particular some uh, Intel hardware vulnerabilities. So we'll go into a bit of detail about those. And as Joe and others have been away at uh, the most recent uh, 2004 product roadmap sprint, kind of planning what's going to happen for the 2004 cycle coming up in the next six months, Uh, Joe hasn't been here to uh, record in the podcast, which is a shame, but uh, yeah, we'll get it back next week. So anyway, we'll um, have a bit of a mention of that as well, though, quickly too. All right, so let's just get into it. So this week, there were 26 unique CVEs addressed across the supported Ubuntu releases. The first one uh, was in GNU CPIO. Uh, this is an, a bit of an older utility for CPIO uh, archive types, but it also can be used to create things like tar files and the like. Uh, this was fixed in all of our supported releases, even the extended security maintenance releases. So precise and trusty extended security maintenance, Xenial, Bionic, Disco, and Eowyn. Uh, so the problem was that CPO would create tar archives when you wanted it to, but it wouldn't validate uh, values that it wrote to the headers of the tar archives. And what this means then is you could use CPO to create, say, a tar archive containing another tar archive, and it would actually get confused, and it would use attributes from that inner tar archive on the outer tar archive header. And uh, what that then meant was that it would, say, allow you to embed um, files that you didn't necessarily have permission for, because they were saying that inner tar archive and then when cpo would extract that it would just go and blindly overwrite those files so if you were say extracting a um, tar archive using cpo as root which is look pretty an a pretty unlikely scenario you're probably going to be using tar it would overwrite those files um so yeah uh, that was fixed actually just to check those values before it wrote them into the header and you know the, you can get around this by just making sure you actually just use tar to use handle tar archives which i would recommend uh, so yeah uh, the next thing we released was an update regarding rigel so this is a new component uh well a new component for ubuntu that was added in main it's been in ubuntu for a while but is now kind of part of the standard uh desktop and in particular the gnome desktop and we released an update for it in Eowyn because in uh, that release we added it newly to the desktop by default. And uh, Rigel is used for uh, doing music sharing across and you know, other media content sharing across your local network. The problem was that it may inadvertently be turned on automatically if you had done an upgrade from say a previous release. Uh, that means it would get installed and normally GNOME would start up and see that you hadn't told it to be started so it would shut it down but if you weren't running the GNOME desktop it would keep running so if you're running KDE or um, you know one of our other desktops like Mate uh, it would still be running and so you would inadvertently have your stuff shared on the local network so not a great thing for privacy so this has been fixed uh, to make sure that uh, when this new package is installed uh, it over it upgrades the old one and it automatically disables it and then you know you can enable it manually using the the settings in say gnome settings or other things um so yeah uh that's been updated for rigel got updates for webkit gtk uh, as usual these don't come with a lot of details from upstream and so in fact there was actually an update released uh, uh, late last week for webkit gtk and then there was a new re- update released over the weekend as well so we updated it twice uh, so it was updated for four different cves in bionic and disco and then uh, we updated it again uh, early this week for uh, two more cves for bionic disco and eowyn uh, we also updated free brdi or free biddy 
I'm not sure how you say that, but uh, yeah, anyway, it's a library that's used for handling bidirectional Unicode text. And this is used by a lot of other libraries, things like Pango, you know, for doing text rendering. And then in turn, that's used by GTK and stuff. So it affected a fair bit of stuff. And uh, what happened was we had an issue reported to us about a potential crash in Qt applications uh, for handling bidirectional Unicode text. And so the Qt developers had fixed that upstream. And so we got a CVE assigned for that because it looks like the kind of thing that you could quite easily use to crash various Qt applications. But then in uh, testing that, we found it also crashed GTK applications, which was strange because the crash in Qt was solely in Qt code and none of that was in GTK code. And it turned out that uh, the free BIDI library had uh, an almost identical flaw in the way that it handled uh, these Unicode characters. And essentially both of them had a stack-based buffer overflow uh, in the Qt case that was on a read. So you, know, you would just be trying to read past the end of a th an array and so you would get a crash. But in the um, free VIDI case, that would actually be a write to this, this um, array on the stack. And so you could potentially get uh, code execution as well. Both of them used a fixed size array. Uh, I think it was about 128 characters in each case. So again, you have very similar code. Uh, but neither would check the bounds of this array. And so yeah, this was fixed by adding a simple check. Um, we reported this to the uh, FreeVRDI developers and yeah, they were fixed that uh, quite quickly. And so we've rolled that out now for Disco and Eowyn. We've also updated Bash in uh, Precise Extended Security Maintenance. This was quite an old CVE uh, that was announced just recently though. So it only affected very old versions of Bash and in particular doesn't affect anything in say, Xenial or uh, Bionic or our you know, newer releases like that. It only affected uh, Precise, which is 12.04. And this was a heap-based buffer overflow in Bash that uh, could be triggered by printing wide characters, uh, say using echo-e and it would overflow this buffer. So yeah, that's been fixed for Bash in Precise Extended Security Maintenance. And this brings us then to a bunch of updates in particular for uh, the kernel and Intel microcode around a bunch of Intel hardware vulnerabilities. Uh, we've got some kernel updates here that weren't just for those, but uh, they were the big ones for the week. And so uh, the team has published a knowledge base article. I've got that linked in the show notes. Uh, this covers uh, the four different Intel hardware vulnerabilities that have been fixed uh, through a combination of microcode and kernel updates this week. And so uh, the microcode fixes, or the microcode is used to address two of these. Uh, the first one was a, a, the problem where the uh, CPU wouldn't restrict uh, voltage mod modulation. So as a root user, you could uh, actually change the voltage modulation on the local CPU. And so you could then cause say a, uh, a crash, you know, if you would have modulated too low or too high or whatever, you know, the hardware is actually gonna misbehave and do the wrong thing. Uh, so that was fixed through microcode plus uh, this other vulnerability called uh, TSX Asynchronous Abort or TAA. As I said, there's a knowledge base article that includes details on this. Uh, this was another variant of uh, the microarchitectural data sampling or MDS vulnerabilities that were announced earlier in the year. Uh, in this case, it's due to the use of uh, transactional synchronous extensions or TSX in Intel processors. So if you have an Intel processor that supports TXS, you would have been vulnerable to this. Uh, however, uh, the previous MDS mitigations uh, can also mitigate this. Uh, so you know you're partially covered through that, but this kernel, um, this update, you know, includes microcode changes to help with that. Plus, uh, we've actually got a kernel update that I'll talk about in a minute too that goes part of the way to fixing that as well. 
So that kernel update, uh, let's look at Eowyn first. So we fixed nine different CVEs here uh, in the Eowyn kernel, that's 1910. Uh, the first of these, uh, as I say, was that uh, TSX asynchronous abort. This needed some uh, kernel changes. In particular, what it does is it disables TSX by default on uh, the processes that support it. Uh, you can re-enable that through a kernel command line option. And there's details of that on uh, the knowledge base article that's linked in the show notes. Uh, we also addressed another vulnerability in Intel processors. Uh, this has been named uh, machine check error on page size change or MCE PSC. And in this case, you can trigger a machine check error from a guest virtual machine uh, by changing page sizes in a particular way when using huge pages. And so this would then cause a machine check error on the uh, host CPU, and you would then you know, denial of service the whole machine, basically. Uh, so yeah, this has been fixed through uh, some kernel changes to make sure that uh, that can't be done. There was also a couple issues in uh, the i915 graphics uh, subsystem. So in particular, these were actually hardware issues, but have been worked around through uh, changes to the driver. And uh, the first of these was that user space could modify page table entries through writes to memory mapped IO, uh, the Blitter command streamer, or they could possibly expose kernel memory. So you've got then the chance that you can, uh, you know, change by changing page table entries, you can actually elevate your own privileges, or you could just um, you know read out info from the kernel and you know maybe use a an info leak to you know get yourself root through disabling uh, KLSR or something like that. So yeah, that was fixed as well. Um, plus, then a bunch of other issues got rolled into this kernel update. The usual kind of things that we see, uh, like uh, Realtek what. The Realtek Wi-Fi driver had a buffer overflow, and this could be triggered uh, over the air, so you could have another you know person in wireless range that could trigger this one, and so they could most likely crash the kernel, but uh, they could also potentially get uh, code execution. There was a buffer overflow in the 802.11 uh, NetLink-based config subsystem. So as a local user, you, know, you can access that, and so you could potentially crash the kernel or, again, get code execution. Uh, we also had a number of issues that Jan Horn from Google Project Zero reported to us uh, about ShiftFS. So ShiftFS is a new file system that has been developed in particular by the LexD team. This is used in user namespaces, so you can do things like easily map uh, user IDs and group IDs between you know, the host or the underlying file system and the file system in a user namespace. And uh, the problem was though, it could confuse the user and group ID uh, of the low, lower file system if you weren't uh, using the initial username space. And so you could therefore bypass discretionary access controls. So that was fixed. Uh, Yarn also found a type confusion bug that could lead to a buffer overflow um, and a reference count underflow as well that could also use, lead to a use after free. So both of those could be used to you know, crash the kernel or maybe get code execution as well. So yeah, they've all been fixed for the Eowyn kernel. We also updated the Disco kernel, and this is used as the hardware enablement kernel in Bionic. This is our 5.0 kernel. 14 different CVEs that were addressed here. So this includes the nine that I just talked about in the Eowyn kernel, plus uh, five others. And these were all uh, around the same issue. So it was found that a bunch of different protocols didn't enforce CapNet RAW when creating RAW sockets of their various types. And so, uh, usually if you want to create a raw socket, you need to either be root or you need to have cap net raw, so the uh, net raw capability. And they didn't enforce that, so that means as say a normal user, you could create a raw socket of these various types. Uh, and that affected uh, the NFC, ISDN, AppleTalk, uh, IEEE 802.154, which is the low rate wireless network 
and also the AX25 subsystem. So they've all been fixed as well uh, in Disco and Bionic if you're using the hardware enablement kernel there. We updated the kernel for uh, Bionic itself. That's the 4.15 kernel. This is used as the hardware enablement kernel in Xenial. And it's also used as the kernel for on Azure if you're running uh, trusty extended security maintenance there. This was 11 different CVEs. Uh, this is a lot of what I've uh, already talked about. So that was like the Realtek Wi-Fi buffer overflow, uh, the various CapNet raw stuff I just mentioned. Uh, there was also a null pointed reference in the Atheros USB Wi-Fi driver and the four different Intel hardware issues that I mentioned previously. So that's the two um, Intel graphics issues plus uh, the TAA and uh, machine check error on page size change. We updated the kernel in Xenial as well. Uh, that's a 4.4 kernel that's used as the trusty extended security maintenance hardware enablement kernel. This includes, again, a bunch of the things I've just talked about. Plus uh, there was a use after free in the binder subsystem that was fixed. Uh, being a user after free, this would usually result in a crash and denial of service, but you could possibly get code execution. Uh, it should be noted that uh, there's a kernel config option called config debug list that could mitigate this. And so what this does is it adds a bunch of extra checks on various list operations within the kernel when it's um, manipulating linked lists. And this is something that we are looking as adding as a hardening feature in future kernels. So say in the upcoming 2004 cycle. So hopefully things like this will be able to be mitigated uh, automatically in the future. Plus uh, this update for uh, Xenial also included like that Realtek Wi-Fi dri driver issue, uh, the CapNet raw missing checks, uh, the Netlink 802.11 um, Wi-Fi config buffer overflow, plus the four different Intel hardware issues. And uh, finally, we had updates for both of the extended security maintenance kernels. So for trusty extended security maintenance and precise extended security maintenance, these were done to include uh, the TAA, the uh, TSX asynchronous abort issue were both fixed for those as well. And finally, uh, the live patch team released a live patch security notice. And unfortunately though, this was a security notice to say that a bunch of issues can't be live patched. And in particular, it was these Intel hardware issues. Uh, the four issues received a lot of different press uh, attention. And as I say, we published a, a knowledge base article about that. So there's a fair bit of details there if you wanna know more, but we thought it was important that our live patch customers be aware that these issues can't be live patched. And so they will not unfortunately be able to be fixed. Uh, and this is through a live patch and that's because of the complexity of them. There are certain things that just can't be hot patched, unfortunately. And so this was done so that you would know that you actually need to upgrade your kernel and to do a reboot to make sure that you're patched against that. So if you're running live patch, I suggest you do that now if you have not done it already. And that's it for the week's updates of uh, security fixes. Uh, so next up, I just wanna have a quick mention of this roadmap sprint that's been going on. And so Joe and Jamie and Mark Molino from our team have been in Vancouver this week, representing the Ubuntu security team at the uh, canonical roadmap sprint. And so what happens is every, um, at, as you're probably aware listening to this, we have six monthly release cycles in Ubuntu. Uh, the next release will be in April uh, 2020. So it's our 2004 release, it's called. Uh, this is the Focal Fossa release as it's named. And so this is the start of the cycle uh, product roadmap sprint. It's where all the teams get together and discuss um, both a, a retrospective of the last cycle. So the 1910 cycle. So what things happened, what things were achieved, uh, what went well, what didn't, that kind of thing. Plus also discuss their plans for uh, the next cycle. 
And so uh, I'll have a bit more of a discussion on this probably in the coming weeks with Joe about how that went and what was discussed and that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think we've made a call on the podcast for this previously, but if anyone does have any um, burning issues or uh, things that they would really like to see addressed over the next six months, please let us know. And so that takes us to the end of the episode. Uh, if you do want to get in contact with us to suggest any features or otherwise, uh, you can email us at security at ubuntu.com. Or if you want to come and talk to us in real time, you can find us hanging out in the Ubuntu Harden channel on irc.freenode.net. Uh, you can also use the Ubuntu Harden mailing list. If you want more Web 2.0 style stuff, we have the security section on discourse.ubuntu.com. And finally, if you like Twitter, you can find us at Ubuntu underscore sec over on Twitter. Okay, so thanks everyone for listening again for another week. Uh, apologies, there was no Joe this week, but I'll get him back next week. Uh, but yeah, until then, remember, keep calm and enable automated upgrades, and I will speak to you soon. Bye.